Would you stand and pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we have been doing, we come to you again as a church gathered together to pray for the leaders of our country. I pray for Donald Trump and Mike Pence. Lord, give them wisdom. We pray for Governor Walls as he makes decisions. We pray for the CDC and the MDH as they try to navigate through this time. God, we pray for the, the leaders for more than just wisdom about the pandemic. We pray for wisdom for the racial issues that are going on. I think about what's happening in Wisconsin. I think about what's happened in Minneapolis. And we ask for your guidance. We need your hand to guide our nation, Lord, through this time. Give wisdom. We need your wisdom, Lord, to know the right course, the good course, the godly course. Our leaders need to hear from you. Lord, I thank you for the many people of this congregation that you have gifted. I pray, Lord, as our ministries, our midweek ministries are about to begin, that you would give us guidance, Lord, to know and to be flexible, to know your will and to be able to change if need be. Lord, we need you. We need your guidance. We want to be flexible to do the right thing, the safe thing to move the ministry of you, Lord, forward. We desire, God, to be examples in this community, to be helpful members of this community. And of course, we pray for the school, pray for Mr. Kep and Mr. Glenn, for the stress that they are facing, for the school board as they are trying to navigate this as well. God, for the teachers who are going to need to figure out new ways to do learning. In all of these things, we ask that you would give us guidance. And God, we know that there are many people who in our church are dealing with physical issues. We know that there are many loved ones who struggle. God, we love you. We recognize that you are the source. The source of all hope, peace, and love. Help us, God, to always look to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. We're going to continue our study in the book of Luke. Last week we studied the well-known parable of the sower. And if you remember, Jesus told us about seed that was planted in four different types of soil. Hard soil, rocky soil, weedy soil, and good soil. The seed is God's word that is planted in all types of soil of people's hearts. But the seed will only grow to maturity and multiply in the good soil. I also reminded you last week that this growing and multiplying process, it's just that. It is a process. It takes time. It takes patience. Well, our section of Luke today is much shorter than last week. And it is actually the conclusion of the parable of the sower. Last week, I simply didn't have time to preach on the parable of the sower and these concluding remarks. 
So today we're going to finish the parable of the sower. So as I read these verses today, I want, I want you to have the parable of the sower in mind. Always in mind as we talk about this. Because if you don't have the parable of the sower in mind, the verses that I read today are going to be confusing. So as we start in God's word, let's once again pray. God, we need you to help us understand your word. Without you, Holy Spirit, speaking to us, without you filling us, we will not be able to understand your word. So God, we ask you to illuminate your word today. Amen. So here we are, Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 16. Luke chapter 8, starting in 16. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. The word of the Lord. You know, at first glance, you might be tempted to think that these verses are not really connected to the parable of the sower. Now, if you look in your Bible, if you did take your Bible out and you were looking at it, you will notice that there are, there are section headings. And this section that I just read, it said, a lamp on a stand. The section before that was the parable of the sower. And then you have the lamp on the stand, and then you have a section called Jesus' mother and brothers. One of the things that we are tempted to do when we read scripture like this is look at these sections as if they are completely disconnected from the sections around them. This actually is a mistake. The section headings can be helpful, but the section headings were not in the original words of Luke. And so it can be very easy to look at these section headings and disconnect them from the stuff that is before and after. This would be, like I said, a mistake, especially in this passage that we're looking at today. You see, if you look at this section of light on a stand and you think this is completely separate from the parable of the sower, then you're going to be confused. Now, I don't know what you first thought of when I read the section of Scripture today, the lamp on a stand, but you, you might have thought, the first thing I thought of this week when I read this was, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Did you, did you have that thought? Did that, go, that was my first thought when I read this. Now, that wouldn't necessarily be the wrong thing to think, right? But actually, that, that little song, it's, it's based on a similar passage to this one, but not this passage. It's actually based on Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So that song is actually based on Matthew 5.16, it's not actually based on Luke chapter 8, where we're at today. Now, they're obviously, these two passages are connected. They are similar. 
But we need to keep the parable of the sower in mind as we read Luke 8. Because Luke is talking about a slightly different thing than what Matthew was talking about. So let's go back to Luke chapter 8, verse 16. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. Well, doesn't this seem pretty straightforward? The reason why you light a lamp is to make the darkness bright. It doesn't make any sense to light a lamp and then purposely cover the lamp. To do that would ruin the whole purpose of lighting the lamp in the first place. Okay, that is super obvious, right? You light a lamp, you, you turn on a light for the purpose of making the room light. This is not tricky. All right, but now look at the next verse. Verse 17, for there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Okay, how does this fit with the verse before? What does that mean? I mean, and how does it fit together with lighting a lamp? How, how does this work together? I think we better pause here. And we better move back to verse 16. So look again at verse 16. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. Now in this verse... This is the key question that I want you to, to listen to. What did Jesus mean when he said, a lamp that is lit? What was Jesus talking about? When Jesus is talking about a lamp that is lit, what is that precisely? See, it's really easy for us to skip over that, but this, this is actually really important. What is Jesus talking about? This lamp that is lit. Well, this is where, and I mean exactly where, we need to remember the parable of the sower. Jesus tells us that there are four different responses to people when they hear the word of God. Okay? The first response is hard soil. People who hear the word of God, but it bounces off and the devil steals the word of God away. Hard soil. The second response is this, rocky soil. People who hear the word of God, but their preconceived notions, rocks in the soil, their preconceived notions make it so the, the word of God cannot grow and mature. Because the rocks, the preconceived notions get in the way. Then there's the third type of soil, the weedy soil. These are people who hear the word of God, but other distractions weeds get in the way the weeds get in the way and finally the fourth soil is the good soil these are people who hear the word of god and it takes root why does it take root because it doesn't bounce off there are not preconceived notions and weeds don't get in the way so it takes root it grows and it multiplies now i don't want to completely rehash my message from last week but I want you to notice that in all four of these soils, people have heard the word of God. So we're not talking about people that have never heard the good news of Jesus. In all four of these soils, it's people that have heard it. But in only one of the soils, 
Has the word of God been heard and has it taken root and grown and multiplied? Let me say that another way. It's not enough just to hear the word of God. It must be responded to. All four soils heard the word of God, but only one soil does the word of God come to maturity. So what is the lamp that has been lit? The lamp that has been lit is the one who has heard the word of God and responded. That was important. I need to say that again. The lamp that has been lit is the person who has heard the word of God and responded. Now let's look again at verse 17. And I think verse 17 will now make more sense. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be made known or brought out into the open. Again, to make sense of this verse, we need to look back at the words of Jesus in in the parable of the sower. Now let's go back and look at that parable again, verses 9 and 10. In verses 9, so this is only a couple verses before, in the parable of the sower, it says, His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. Now, read now verse 17 again. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Now, you guys... Listen to this. When these verses are read together like this, it makes more sense. You see, Jesus is making a connection to his disciples that when we truly hear the word of God and respond, then they will become like a lit lamp to light up a house. And when this happens, the secret knowledge of the kingdom of God is no longer a secret. Lit lamps bring the secret knowledge of the kingdom out into the open. Do you see why context matters? It really does matter. Because do you know how easy it would be? Look at that verse. Do you know how easy it would be to take that verse and to say something like this? The Spirit will bring forth the secrets of your life out. And the sin of your secrets will be laid bare. If you just looked at that verse, you could say that. That's not what this is saying because it's it's in the context of the parable of the sower. The secret things that will be disclosed are not secret sins. The secret that will be disclosed is the good news of the kingdom of God. Context matters you guys okay (laughs) i gotta stop here and i gotta tell you something that's so i found so funny all right so we're just going to take a time out and i want to tell you something that i think is hilarious you may not find it hilarious i don't care all right here we go when i was on vacation a couple weeks ago uh, one of the things whenever i take a vacation i like to do i like to read through an entire book of the Bible in one sitting. 
Now, I know that sounds silly. Well, that's what a pastor would do. No, I, I just like to do it. It's, it's, it's relaxing for me to reconnect with God's word in one sitting. Well, the, I asked God, what book should I go through? And he said, Ecclesiastes. And I was like, Ecclesiastes? God. God help me. That book's rough. But I'm like, okay. So that's what I did. I, one night, it was pretty late, I just took my phone out and I just read all the way through Ecclesiastes. And it's a depressing book. Meaningless, meaningless, everything's meaningless. I'm like, God, that's rough. I'm really struggling just with this COVID stuff. And you want me to just say everything's meaningless? God's like, I don't care what, what's wrong with you. Just do what I tell you to do. So I did. Well, when I did that, I came across one verse that is the perfect example for this moment of what to do when taking a verse out of context. This verse I'm about to show you is the perfect example for this moment in time of how dangerous it is to take a verse out of context. You ready? All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 2. The heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. <laughs> Don't clap for that! <laughs> I want to be clear about something. You do not have permission to use this verse in any political conversation that you might have. Do you understand me? Now, I, I want you to know that verse has absolutely nothing to do with Republicans and Democrats. It has nothing to do with the current political situation our country is in. But if you took just that verse out of context... You could whack people on the head with it. And you would not only be wrong, but let me, let me be very clear. You would be sinning. That would be a sin. You would be taking God's word and making it mean something it does not mean. I have been very clear. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. That's not the issue for me. The issue for me is, is your lamp lit? Don't take verses out of context. Okay. I'm not sure if God wanted me to share that with you. I just thought that was a fantastic example. A fantastic example, not a fantastic verse to use wrongly. I said a fantastic example of how not to take a verse wrongly. All right. Let's get back to Luke. Was that fun? Did anybody like that? I don't know. I thought it was fun. Let's now look at verse 18. Luke chapter 8, verse 18. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. <sighs> now just, just look at that verse and tell me if you understand what's being said here. Is this confusing? If you take this verse out of context, you will be forever confused. Again, this is a very strange thing to say. And it's, it's even, how is that even connected to a light 
on a lamp that is lit. I don't understand what's going on. Once again, context, context, context. The parable of the sower makes this statement make sense. Remember the parable of the sower. In the context of that parable, it is vitally important to listen to the word of God that you are hearing. Remember, all four of the soils heard the word of God, but only one truly listened. Because only one actually responded and grew and matured and produced a crop. With this in mind, the second part of this verse makes more sense. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken from him. That's such a strange saying. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. That's not right. That's not fair. Do you know why you're getting all fired up and thinking that that's not fair? Because you're an American. That's why. And you think, that's not fair. That's not fair. Well, if you take this verse out of context, I would agree. That's not fair. Remember, I mean, you can even say, that can't be right. I mean, didn't, didn't David, with that, remember when the prophet Nathan came to David and said, there was a man who had many sheep and, and then there was a poor man who only had one and the rich man took the sheep from the poor man? That's not fair. Well, then how can Jesus say this? Doesn't that go exactly against David? Doesn't that go exactly against that whole story? It does if you read it out of context. But what, what does this mean in context? The context of the parable of the sower. The stuff that someone has that will be given more we assume as Americans the stuff that Jesus is talking about is possessions. That's not what he's talking about. In the parable of the sower, in the context of that parable, the stuff of this verse is the word of God that is heard and responded to. And in that case, this makes sense. Those who hear and respond to the word of God are given more. Those who don't hear and respond, those who just hear but are crowded out by the weeds, those who just hear but are, are crowded out by the preconceived notions, not only do they not respond, but what they think they've got, they don't. You guys, context matters when reading scripture. In fact, the size of the crop is directly related to how open the person is to receiving God's word by listening carefully and responding. The, the size of the crop, in Matthew's version of the parable of the sower, 30, 60, 100 time increase, Right? Do you understand that when you are hungry to hear God's word and then to have it change you and make you respond to it, when that happens, you get more hungry. Have you thought, said to yourself, during this pandemic, I just can't do anything. I can't read the Bible. I just can't do anything. Get the rocks out of the way. When, you guys, when you are being fed by God's word, you will want more and more. And more. And your lamp will get brighter and brighter and brighter. 
That's what Jesus is saying here. And if, you, if you're like, well, I thought I had the word of God, but it seems less and less and less, check your field. You probably got rocks and weeds. That's what Jesus is saying. Do you see how you can mess this up if you take this out of context? And now verse 21, or verses 19 through 21. Now Jesus, his mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. (laughs) Again, in this little section, again, aren't you just like, what in the world I'm so confused. Remember the parable of the sower. In fact, this section, which seems totally disconnected on first glance with the parable of the sower, this section, by every commentary I read, every scholar says the same thing about this. This is the climax, the high point of the parable of the sower. This is the most important piece of the parable of the sower. And you're like, what? How could that be? It is a very big deal. And I mean a very big deal that Jesus did not immediately go to his mother and brothers when he found out that they were asking for him. Now, even today, we recognize this. I had a very wise pastor tell me one time, it doesn't matter what you're doing, if your wife calls, take the call. That's great advice. I almost always do that. <laughs> right, Karen? I, if I don't take the call, I say, I will call you back sh- very soon. Almost always. <laughs> right. So, it's great advice. And yet, Jesus here seems to contradict great advice. And by the way, in first century Palestine, this idea of family obligation was more than it is for us today. And by more, I mean like exponentially more. In a society where there was no government anything safety net, in a society where the king could kill you if he wanted to, family is all you got. And in that context, to say, to say what Jesus says is crazy. Crazy. In other words, it's so crazy that we need to look even more carefully at why Jesus said this. You see, Jesus is making a very specific point. Again, look at verse 21. He replied, My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. And there it is. There it is. You see that right there? That's the entire point of the parable of the sower. Hearing God's word means nothing if you don't respond and put it into practice. Can I get an amen from someone who believes in holiness? Thank you. I said amen, not hallelujah, but actually that's okay. Hearing God's word, now this gets a little tricky because we, we think that as Christians, what we're supposed to do, to be a good Christian, you read your Bible every day, you spend some time praying, and everything's wonderful. Okay, guess what? I know a lot of people who read the Bible every day. In fact, I know a lot of people whose doctrinal stance is 
really good, like perfect, and they aren't believers in Jesus Christ because they haven't put it into practice. I don't care how good your doctrine is if you don't live it. I don't care how well you can recite the Romans road and the path to salvation if you don't live it out every day, every moment. There is no greater allegiance than our allegiance to Jesus Christ. Right, Greg? Part of that email. You're not a Christian and a Democrat. You're not a Christian and a Republican. You are a Christian and then a Republican. You are a Christian and then a Democrat. You are not a follower of Christ and something else. You are a follower of Christ then something else. And when you are a follower of Christ, you will respond. Your life will be different. The entire point of this parable. So how do you hear the word of God? Because you're sitting here right now. You're hearing the word of God. Are those preconceived notions getting in the way? Are those weeds choking out God's word? Or is the soil of your heart such that when you hear, it changes you on the inside out and your life is brought to a, a place of set-apartness, a, set a place of holiness in the Lord that doesn't just happen when you're at church or when you're doing Christian things, but it happens all the time, every moment of every day. There's no such thing as a halfway Christian. You either are, your light is either shining or it's not. That's following Jesus Christ. So, where are you? <laughs> right now our country is standing between COVID-19 and racial unrest while balancing on the razor's edge of a divisive election. Did you hear that? That's where we are. That's where we are. We got people in our community that are angry at our school. They're angry at our church. They're frustrated about the situation. They're angry about Governor Walls. They're angry about President Trump. They're, everybody's angry about everything. What does it mean to have your lamp lit in this environment? Let me tell you. Opportunity. That's what this means. Our country is ripe with opportunity. We are living in a moment in which, our, in which God's people have an opportunity to put God's word into practice. Did you hear that? We are living in, in the perfect moment to let our light shine. This is it. I'm asking you, what's your attitude? This whole thing is stupid. I can't believe how dumb this is. I can't. This is all a big hoax. Are you kidding me right now? You have an opportunity to be the light. Stop putting a lamp on it. Don't put a, a thing on. Don't put it under your bed. Don't be like that.
I challenged you months ago after the, the entire thing happened with George Floyd to be a difference maker, to be light in the community regarding racial unrest. What have you done? What have you done? Can you think right now, have you, have you taken a tangible step? Or did you just hear that? Did you just hear it and leave it? What have you done? How have you responded? Because that's the soil. That's what it means to be the light. What has your attitude been towards the school? <laughs> what tangible steps have you taken to support the school in this difficult time? I hope you gave to the, to the school supply drive. If you didn't, I'm not mad at you. I'm just, just ask yourself, why didn't you? Have, have you just written an encouraging note to a school board member? <laughs> wouldn't that be great? Sarah, wouldn't that be great? Just if like somebody wrote an encouragement. I don't know if I should ask you this. This is not my notes. Have you received any encouraging note from anybody? No. None. I have received some. I'm not asking you to do this. I'm asking you to check your heart. <sighs> we are in a battle for the soul of this country. And this battle is only won by us being a lit lamp. Which means you got to hear God's word and respond. There must be action. We must be God's holy people in this community. Our light is meant for shining. We are light bringers. We must let our light shine. Thank you, God, for this passage of Scripture that, Lord, sometimes it's so difficult to understand your word that it's frustrating and yet, if we will just stop and just ask you to speak to us and then look at the context, God, it's right there. I would ask that this community of believers would be a light on a hill for you. May the light of your word shine brightly from this place, from these people in such a way that our community will not, cannot be the same. Give us the strength to do that, Lord God. In your powerful name we pray. Amen.